This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, our theme for this year is to make or become obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. Sure, it's a mouthful, eh? To come, to become or to make disciples. We all need to become disciples and then we all need to go and make disciples. And our challenge in the West, our challenge in the modern day church, and especially churches like ours, is that sometimes church just becomes an event. I am going to church. But we are the church. And church should happen 24-7 in your life. Because you can't just give a Sunday and a Wednesday to Jesus. I mean, we give everything and we're fulfilled in Him. And so part of that is to embark on a real discipleship journey together. Um, and I want to encourage us, and we're going to talk a bit about that tonight, because I'm going to say some a bit of controversial things, maybe, but I uh, forgive me. Just, just say that. I forgive you. Okay, if I offend you, then let it be the word that offends you. Um, but it's so important that we speak truth. You know, a lot of us want to just listen to the church in the West, to the American church, okay? Because they are very good at marketing. But let me say that some of you must stop listening to YouTube clips and start to read the Word of God. You cannot listen to more YouTube clips than what you read the Word of God yourself. Then you're going to get deceived. Because you don't need somebody else to interpret the Word for you all the time. It's part of discipleship and the definition of discipleship is that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a learner. I'm a pupil. I'm somebody that's always growing. And I said it to the people this morning, all the families this morning, I said one of the words you have to practice in your life is the word wow. Because you're going to say it a lot. There's the name of Jesus is going to be mentioned a lot in heaven. But then I, th- I believe, personal opinion, that the word wow is going to be the second most used word. Maybe, no, no, Lamb of God, Blood of Jesus, there's going to be a lot of them, but, but the natural words is going to be like, wow. J- just say it, wow. It's actually very nice to say that word, wow. Yeah? Wow, you can say it from backwards to frontwards, frontwards to backwards. You can, you can say it in different ways. It just comes out the same. Wow. I remember um, when Stephen's wife told us that when she died and they prayed for her and she came back to life, she was in a coma for 24 hours and they had to eventually strap her hands to the hospital bed because she, she pulled out all the stuff out of her body of saying, wow, she wanted to cover her face all the time because she just said, wow. And then she would like try to cover her face. And the only thing she said about seeing heaven was simply that there were so many colors that doesn't exist on earth. There were so many things that some people aspired to hear that were pavement in heaven. I have a friend that says, if it took Jesus 2,000 years to build a mansion, it's going to be a massive mansion. Would you agree? Wow. Wow, thank you, Ulrich. Okay. So, So part of being a disciple, and I'm talking about hearing God's voice. It's a very, in a sense, a, a tense subject because how many of you want to hear God's voice? Okay. We all want to hear God's voice because you can't say I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus if you're following somebody or if you're following a church. You can't follow a person. You have to follow Jesus. And yet, because we have a consumer culture and an individualistic culture, we think that primarily I must just hear God's voice for myself and on my own and I'm on this individual journey with God. But God speaks in many ways and even Scripture was read publicly. It was never just designed for the individual. It was read in community. And so when you say, I want to be a biblical Christian, the problem is if we just think of it's me and God and I don't care about the rest. So hearing God's voice, I'm going to say some things and we're going to look at that and we're going to look at those scriptures. But hearing God's voice is so important and that's part of discipleship. Now in this Scripture, John 10, verse 1 to 5, Jesus speaks about this. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. 
It says there's people that enter in different ways to try and come and speak to you. There's some people that want to come and grab your attention. Some of them are thieves. Some of them are robbers. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus speaking about himself as being the true shepherd. And shepherding happened in a different way in the Middle East. The shepherd would actually walk in front of the sheep and he will just start to talk. And by speaking out loudly, the sheep would all follow the shepherd because they knew the voice of the shepherd. It wasn't like we do today. We have a sheep dog that chases all the sheep and tries to get them into direction. All the shepherd would do is just stand and start to go and sometimes sing or sometimes talk and just begin to walk. That's why Jesus, even in the center of calling his disciples, he said, you, follow me. And then he'd start to walk. And he would just leave them right there. And then they had to decide, what are we going to do? He says, come and follow me and then I'll make you fishers of men. So God's voice is so important. And yet when you talk to the average Christian today, many people are confused as to how God speaks. Now, I wish we had like a whole week to speak on this topic. But yet Jesus says, hey, be careful because there are robbers, there are thieves, there are a lot of people that come in in different ways, but they haven't come through the doorkeeper, they haven't come through the right way. And so as a Christian, it is so important, if you are a Christian here, and you want to hear God's voice, that you learn to discern, that you learn to apply the word of God. There's certain ways that God is going to speak to you and speak to us. And so Jesus says, but the amazing thing is you can have an assurance that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. So it's not about going to church. It's not about hanging on to doctrine. It's simply about, do you hear his voice or not? That's the center of discipleship. Because if we want to talk about obedience, then we need to first hear, what is God saying? Otherwise, it's like we're just going in a circle. We're going nowhere and we're following no one. It is so important. I remember one day we were in um, Mumbai in India. And, you know, it was just one of those moments that were crazy. We, it was raining in the evening when we landed. And what happened is the guy that met us there, he got a piece of paper for each one of us telling us where we need to go. But now obviously most people don't understand English. There's probably about 40 million people in Mumbai. It is crazy. It is raining. The monsoon just started. And so we are three guys, and this guy gives one of the guys in our group a little piece of paper with the address and the telephone number on where we need to go. We all have money. Great stuff, every group, because you have this little tuk-tuk that you drive in. Three sit at the back. This guy, driver's motorcycle sit in front. He's got a little roof on, and here you go. And he says, bye-bye, here's the address. Don't lose the paper, he said. You can lose the money, but don't lose the paper. And so we're like, yeah. And um, five minutes down, we've lost all the other tuk-tuks. And um, I turned to this one guy next to me, he says, so you took the paper. He said, no, 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 no. I thought you took a paper. And then we turned to the third one in the party and we said, good news, you took the paper. And he said, no. <laughs> and so here we were sitting in a city of 30 million people, 40 million, some people say even up to 60 million people in Mumbai. It's raining and we have got no clue. Sure. After four hours of driving around, we stopped. We decided, okay, all we're going to do is we're going to start to pray. <laughs> because now we have realized we are lost. You know, sometimes you just have to realize I'm lost in this world. Okay, and so here we're standing and we're getting out. But now we're already soaked. Everything is rain. It is just floods, floods in Mumbai. And it's crazy. We've lost our team. We need to fly out the next morning. And here we go. You know, and so... As we stand there, we drive past this one road, we stop, we go back again, and then you know what happens is like, the one guy says, no, 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 he felt God said he must go that direction. So what happens is he turns and he goes that direction, and we just stop, and he says, God, God told him right now, we must worship here. And so as we stop and we start to worship, I hear this word, see us! And I'm thinking like, and I'm thinking like the angel just spoke, hallelujah. <laughs> 
And so what happens is we stopped right at the corner of the road of where the people were in the flat on the third floor. Now it's raining and the guys were worshiping and praying for us in the middle, in the floor on top there. And then as they're worshiping in the, and it's raining, so there's, there's nothing that will protect him. The, the God says to him, go outside and stand on the stoop and shout my name. Right at the same moment. So I'm like, I've never felt so good to hear my own name. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we connected in a city of 40 million people. Now that's an extreme story. But so many people want to deny that God can speak to you. So many people say, like, hey, I, these stuff are a bit weird. or what? But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so how does God speak? Okay? God speaks in different ways. Primarily, God speaks through this. Primarily. Revelation or experience or nothing that happens in your life is above the word of God. God's word is final and true, and he speaks through this. Anything else you get, any experience, anything that comes your way that is over this word or contradicts the word, throw it away. It's not God. Okay? And so we have this rule, scripture, interpret scripture. We also, even the way we interpret scripture, we need, we need to be careful of that. But God speaks clearly through the Logos word and the Rhema word, and God reveals his word, and it's so exciting. But you must have a love for this, for scripture. Read it, put it on your heart, memorize it, because God will not reveal anything contrary to this. If God comes to you tomorrow and says, hey, divorce your wife, because you know what, there's a better one around the corner, you're deceived. Because scripture is very clear on what God feels and what God says. Can I get an amen? Okay? So this is the absolute authority. We obey the word, even if our parents or government or anybody says something else, this is our greatest authority, the word. We obey God. Amen? Great stuff. Then there's other ways. There's lots of other ways that scripture talks about nature. Romans 1 talks about it. Our conscience, our inner voice. Sometimes it's just through logic, common grace. Logic. You know, you're not going to go to the mechanic and ask him, please pray for 40 minutes, fast for seven days of what is wrong with my tire. There's just some stuff in life that is logic, okay? There's just some stuff that God has given you a brain to work and to think. So God also works through logic sometimes, you know, sometimes placing people, giving them skills. Sometimes they can even be a doctor. They were doctors. Luke was a doctor. So God uses skills that he has given mankind to speak to and speak through. You know, God speaks through circumstance. God speaks through other people. And then God speaks through the supernatural. Angels, dreams, visions, healings. Etc. There's so many ways, but remember, no revelation or experience is above the word of God. That, that is so important. You, you can't say, I felt like this. Because there's a lot of people that come, especially in the charismatic church, and they say, no, God spoke to me. And then I begin to ask, like, hey, how did God speak to you? Uh, uh, I felt. Oh, you can't go on feeling. Because feeling can deceive you. The Bible says, even your and my heart is deceitful above all things. Don't trust your heart and don't trust your feeling. You cannot have a relationship with God based on feeling alone. Feelings are good and feelings are nice and experience and lying on your face on the floor. That's great. But you can't, that's not what gives you direction. It's the lamp of God. It's the word of God. And we stand on that and it doesn't change. A lot of people want to change the word of God, but hey, you can't change this word. I mean, so God speaks in different ways. So let's read here in Acts chapter 9 verse 3 to 7. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from him. This is now an experience that Saul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he had an experience with God. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And now on the other side, while this is happening, on the other side there's another guy, Ananias, and it goes like this in Acts 9 verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision. 
So this one had a great experience. The other one gets a vision. And Ananias, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints. Because he was killing Christians. He was persecuting them. And he says, and he has, here has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Your beautiful story of this guy having an amazing encounter with God. But if you follow the, the train and the... The road God takes this guy on, and even when we look at prophecy or revelation today, what happens here is the Lord doesn't give him the full picture. He says, Saul, because you know, you've been persecuting me, and then he uses these words, it's hard to kick against the goats, meaning that it's been hard for you because it's been like a thorn inside of you, and you've been resisting my call upon your life for a long time. But now you've responded. You've fallen on your face. You've repented, and... But now the Lord doesn't give him all the instruction. He says, go to that street called Straight. Go there and wait there. And he, on the other side, he gives another guy a vision. That guy brings a vision. And, and so we see this beautiful picture of the church coming together. And, and Ananias, you can just imagine, as this prophet, he thought, like, sure, I'm going to die. He probably kissed his wife goodbye, or if he had a wife. And all the people just said, <clears throat> you know, see in heaven, this guy's going to kill me because God gave me instruction. I must go to this guy who persecutes, kills people, and hangs them and rejoices over it in the name of God. You know? So just imagine the fear and all of that stuff, but such implicit obedience. Huh? Such implicit obedience. And so here he meets this guy and he prays for him. And there's even like physical stuff that falls from his eyes to be able to see. And then we see this process of how God disciples Saul. Because now he's in Damascus and suddenly he starts to preach and there's a lot of stuff that begins to happen. And if we go on to verse 26, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. <laughs> so now he wants to go to the headquarters. He wants to go and tell them what has happened and they just resist. They say there's no way. <laughs> but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him. Now Barnabas, the name for Barnabas, Barnabas is the son of encouragement. The one who encourages, the one who brings the best out of people. And so yeah, there's this massive tension between the headquarters and Damascus and these challenges. And so Damascus says, look, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to show the other people and I'm going to tell about the fruit of your life, the ministry of your life, and I'm going to help you to get where God wants you to go. And so he was then at, them at Jerusalem coming in and going out and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So we see this beautiful picture of the church and God's process with people. I think uh, a great way of how we think is we think like uh, there's this massive thing on me as a Christian to just hear the voice of God by myself. And now I'm under pressure. But the amazing thing is if you are a healthy Christian and in a healthy community, then God sets up people with different giftings. And they, yeah, Saul definitely had somebody that could encourage Saul definitely had some, needed somebody because the people didn't believe what was happening. But he takes them up to Jerusalem. Barnabas takes him up to Jerusalem and says, I, I can validate for this guy. I can see the fruit on his life. And, and let's release him. There were many years that, that, that actually happened between these two processes. It wasn't just a quick thing. But there was a whole process of discipleship. And there was a lot of people involved in this process. And I think, you know... Take the pressure of yourself sometimes just to say, I must hear from the Lord myself and I must be so tense and what if I'm going to miss the Lord? And then so many people are so afraid. But God sets you on a journey with a group of people that can help you in that process. And that's why it's so beautiful if we have different giftings. You know, Georgia is more a teacher 
much more slow. He processes stuff much more slow. He's a slow cooker. I'm microwave. And I just, I, it must happen, and it must happen yesterday. And then George just looks at me, frowns here in the middle, and I realize, okay, here's a sermon coming. I need to slow down. Slow down, yeah? And then I think like, George, I can get so frustrated with you, yeah? Because you need to have done it yesterday or that, whatever. And then I realize like, no, no, slow it down, slow it down, because George will think through the processes. Now, Lenny there at the back is like, you know, you just give Lenny a spark, and there he goes, you know, you know? Or Mashay, you know, Mashay is like, she like processes everything like this and then, you know, throws it out into that bin, into that bin, and then I think like, wow, yeah, Lord, raise up more people that love admin. Anybody here that love admin? The camera is on you. We're going to check. Oh, Martin, Martin, okay. But isn't it amazing when we have different giftings and when the body of Christ begins to work together in this process of you becoming who God has called you to be? But, but I think there's a bit of a lie and there's a lot of challenges on the church, especially on a church like us or, you know, just the name charismatic. What, you know what charismatic means? It means to believe in the grace gifts of God. So there's, a, there's this tension in the church and you'll see it in the evangelical church because you get almost like a dim switch. Do you know a dim switch when you like dim and it can almost go like all the lights can completely go out or it can be completely bright. So in the church, you have this one side that are completely reformed, completely like, oh, we're against the gifts. We're against God speaking in that way, only scripture. And then you have this other side, you know, where the pastor wears white and uh, his wife, somebody said it like this, his wife looks like she's been shot with a paintball gun a couple of times by the weird dresses she wears, you know. I've got a nice shirt on tonight, would you agree? It's not a prosperity shirt. It's a testimony shirt. Because every time I wear this shirt, I'm reminded of something God gave me 25 years ago. No, almost 30 years ago. When I got saved, I read a small book. A book from Maltari, like a mighty rushing wind. It changed my life. Has anybody read that book? It's a very old book, but it's a testimony of the revival in Indonesia. Anybody read that book? Maybe there's one or two. Kumi, it looks like you read that book. You can remember, okay? But it's just testimonies of what happened in that revival. Great things that happened in that revival. You know, at a stage, the church was meeting and then they came together because the whole community came out with buckets of water because they thought the church was on fire. Meantime, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they were just praying in the Holy Spirit and praying for God's fullness to come. And they just threw water on the church building, but they couldn't quench the fire because it, was, it wasn't a, a, a physical fire. And so I remember reading that book that changed my life. And I thought like, wow, there's a different dimension of knowing God. And almost 30 years ago, I prayed a prayer. I said, God, if you would be gracious, I want to go to that church and to that place one day. Now, last year, 2019, we visited one of those islands where God poured out his spirit like that. That's where the shirt comes from. It's nice, eh? Bless you too. To see a frown, okay? It's an Indonesian, it's a Papua Indonesian shit. But you know, it's so amazing that even those things God places in your heart, sometimes it's just a seed form and then 30 years later it comes to pass. Sure. And I was just walking around, I thought like, wow, God, I actually forgot about that prayer. Forgot about that desire. And now so many, three decades later, you've brought it to pass. Wow, God is faithful. But now there's a challenge in the church because now some people... You get this whole idea of the word versus the spirit. Some people, you know, some people on the extreme of the people that follow the fullness of the Holy Spirit that swing from the chandeliers and prophesy over everything and da -da -da, you get that extreme part. And then you get the very conservative Christians on the other side. And this one is blaming that one, and that one is blaming that one, and they're throwing stones at each other. So the one says, just a word, just a word, just a word. God doesn't speak anymore. He's... We call them cessationists, and they're different kinds of cessationists. But they, on this side, they say the first apostles needed the miracles, but it's died away because Scripture was written, and now it's fulfilled. This is God's ultimate way of how he speaks. You get this side. And then you get the other people that say, no, 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 you know, God is putting revelation onto the Word on this side, the extreme of this side. And we're not there. 
I trust we're not there, okay? Or some of you are not there because this is the highest authority of God. Like I said at the beginning, are you, are you with me? Okay? So, so we need to say not the word or the spirit. It's the word and the spirit. And this is so important in the direction that we're going because you're going to speak to a lot of people. Some people just say, hey, you, you're deceived because you still believe God does the angelic stuff and all the other stuff, you know, and God speaks. But you cannot base your relationship just on that stuff. But Jesus said, hey, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. I read a lot of scripture that doesn't say it was just reserved to the apostles. So as a church, we are continuous. We are continuists. Okay? Say that word quickly there on the screen. Continuous. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So it means that we believe that the same things that happened in Scripture, God still does it today. It didn't die with the first church. But we also have to be careful of the extreme of basing our relationship and hearing the voice on God on the extreme. Because this is still the primary way God speaks. Are, are you with me? It's, it's just it's so very simple, but a lot of people think like, what is happening and what, what are you know? Now you get a lot of people that's sort of in the middle. They're John Pipers and the Tim Kellers. And then you get people on this side that's, you know, just Calvinistic and very strong on the way they believe that. And then you get the extreme on this side that just drink tea with the angels every second day, okay? So be careful of the extreme on that side and be careful on the extreme on that side. It's the Word and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to help us to interpret the Word. And so if you want to be a disciple, you love the Word of God. And you know the person of the Holy Spirit. And you don't just read the Word of God to get knowledge. You get, read the Word of God to apply the Word of God in your life. You read the Word of God to get principles out of the Word of God. You read the Word of God to love God and to love your neighbor. So how do we then judge? We don't judge according to doctrine. We're going to get around to that a little bit. Are you still with me? Let me just read three scriptures. John 14 verse 11. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father in me. Okay, let me, let me just stop there. So do we say that the people that are very conservative, cessationists, they're going to hell? No, we don't. We love all Christians that believe in the Apostles' Creed, the resurrection, the virgin birth, that love God. Okay? And we look at the fruit. And do we say it's just that side? No, no, we're not saying that. But what we do say is we want to read Scripture and hold on to Scripture. John 14 verse 11 says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So Jesus says, believe what I say. And if you can't believe that, look at the fruit of my life. So the most important way on how you discern the word of God is if it comes or somebody has a YouTube clip or this guy says to you, Hey, I'm sending you a sermon. I'm sending you this voice clip, and it's amazing. It's a prophecy that's going to change your life. Before anybody sends you something, you just stop, and you think like, do I know the fruit of this person's life? And I, I had a shocking experience when I just got saved, and we got spirit-filled and a lot of stuff. And I remember we were a group of 14 guys, and the school was turning around for Jesus. There was a massive revival. 270 boys got saved within a week. Within one week. And the moment when God started to move, you must know that opposition will come. And so we started to pray, and there was a guy who discipled us, a teacher. We walked the road with him, and it was amazing. But after a while, this guy had to go away. And so we prayed, Lord, send somebody else. But the devil can also hear your prayer. Did you know that? And so this older man, just one night at our Bible study, we were 20 guys, and myself and Zander, another guy, was, were the leaders. So we were praying, and then this one guy just came with his Bible. He pitched up with his Bible at our Bible study. And it was amazing. This guy could quote every scripture. I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2 verse 20. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. 1 John 4 verse 4. He, could, he just like, this guy was like a walking Bible. And we thought like, yeah, that's amazing. God answered our prayer. The only thing is at that evening, at the end of that evening, because we knew the person of the Holy Spirit, something was itching inside. We, we, something wasn't nice here. 
And it, you know, we had this spiritual witness that something was wrong. And so for the next couple of weeks, the three of us as the leaders just started to pray. And we said, God, we don't know. This guy can quote all the scripture, but something is not right. It's almost like a gut feel, almost like a, uh, you know, a witness. And after four weeks, this guy was caught out to be a pedophile. That was the shock of our lives. We, we were so discouraged. <laughs> For about a month, we were just like, <laughs> you know. Because we couldn't understand, how can somebody quote every scripture, but his fruit is so bad? Do you know the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Had an intellectual relationship with God. Not a life-giving relationship. And so, we have to be very careful just to, because somebody can quote scripture or somebody's wrote, written 10 books that we can say, oh yeah, that guy's great. But that shouldn't make us negative. It just say, hey, I want to do it the right way. I want to become a disciple of God, but I need a community around me and I need people whose fruit I can watch over a long time. Because fruit is grown. Did you know that? Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. You don't just throw a little seed in the ground and then a month later, oh, a tree. <laughs> it is grown over time. And it's your responsibility. And listen to this scripture that Paul writes to Timothy. He says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is your responsibility, and this is what Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you must learn to discern. You must learn to walk this road with God, with other people, but you need to be able to divide the word of truth. Because there are doctrines from the devil. There are lots of stuff that is not from God. And we should never be afraid because God says, I'm going to lead you. I mean, but you have to do it and play by God's rules. You have to learn to be a disciple according to God's rules. And so there are going to be people that differ with your doctrines, but just be very careful that they don't differ with the basics of what we believe. And we call it the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so go and study the statement of faith that most churches have that are Bible-believing churches. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. That's where we start. We believe in God the Father, maker of the heaven. It's not that song. Well, Khuna. Okay, but in any case, we sing the Apostles' Creed sometimes. Okay, <clears throat> when you practice it, you're going to do it now. now. Okay, but so, because it's, it's powerful, because the first church came together around fellowship, communion, prayer, and the Apostles' Doctrine. It was centered to discipleship, is what do we believe? And so we'd never compromise if somebody tells you, Hey, Jesus was not born of a virgin. Run! Okay, false prophet. If somebody says Jesus didn't resurrect, run! Okay, false prophet. Are, are, are you with me? Now somebody is awake. Okay. And unfortunately, we have people in this theology department that say stuff like that. Don't call Jesus your father, call him your mother. Huh? We call it liberal theology. Okay, there's a lot of liberal theologians that don't believe the basis of the word anymore and run away. But when you're not sure and there's maybe doctrines that differ a little bit, then what you need to do is you need to make sure that you divide the word. And Jesus says, hey, if you don't believe me, look at the fruit of my life. Look at the works that I do. Look at the fruit. That's how you judge. And you need to take time. So don't just listen to the YouTube clips, please. <laughs> don't just... Download a sermon because somebody else has given you that sermon. This is a great sermon. Because you don't know the fruit of that person. Do you know what I normally do with American preachers? I just Google one thing. Net worth. Net worth. <laughs> That's maybe a tip for some people. We should much more listen to the church in the East and the Middle East, and the church in Brazil, where God is moving powerfully. Do you know Brazil? They just had a march, I think a couple of weeks ago, three million people marching for Jesus. God is moving. But not necessarily in the West, at this stage. <laughs> so let's be careful not to have a cultural 
biblical understanding of stuff. It's getting very, very silent. Romans 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So Paul is writing here about this heart for the Father, to know the Father. And if you hear God's voice, it's always directed to get to know God better. It's always to the person of God. It's not to take you away into an intellectual pursuit. And there's nothing wrong with intellectual pursuit. There's nothing wrong with wanting to know the doctrine and discuss it. But Paul warns people, and like, stay away from idle talk. Stay away from just keeping yourself busy with a lot of stuff. If it distracts you from knowing God, there's going to be trouble. You're going to get deceived because knowledge in itself is not going to change you. But when you have the relationship with God, does it bring you closer to God? What's the fruit that it bears in your life? Somebody, somebody came to me the other day and says like, ah, oh, you know, I'm against these people falling around, you know. Some people fall on the, you know, they just, they just fall. You know, if I read scripture, most people actually fall forward, not backwards. Okay, so, so that's like the scriptural example I see. Most people fall forward, but no problem if they fall backwards. But so I just have one question. I don't know. But the one question I do ask, if you, see, if you stand up from that floor, has your life changed? Did you get to know Jesus? So maybe the method is going to change. Maybe it's going to be weird. Maybe I don't understand. But does it bring me closer to God? Is that person's life changing? And they're becoming more hungry for God. They're becoming more thirsty for God. Then I say, yes, I go with that. You know, a lot of people ask, like, is this church? You know, this church is so weird. They swing from the chandeliers. I, I rather just want to stick to conservatism because it just makes me safe. But I want to tell you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, God is not interested in our comfort zones. Amen? He's interested in your obedience. And so you're going to stand before him, and I'm going to stand before him. And like we see in Scripture, there's this massive invitation but there's also a warning as Paul writes to Ro in the Romans and he says, look here, you must be careful because there's a spirit of bondage again to fear and there's a spirit of adoption by whom I cry out, Abba, Father. They both look like the Holy Spirit. But the one brings me into fear and condemnation. I wish I had time to speak a lot about this, but it's called the ministry of condemnation. There's a lot of people that want to threaten people with sin. They want to threaten them with the law. And Paul writes about it. He says, it's like Moses' law. Whenever we want to just perform the law, what we do is we go into the flesh. And I love what Reinhard Bunker says. He's one of my heroes. He died a couple of weeks ago. He said, I don't minister sin to people. I minister Jesus to them. Because once you meet Jesus, you are going to repent of your sins. <laughs> So when Zacchaeus sits in the tree or Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus doesn't say, oh, you are a tax collector. Shh. Contamination in the camp. Contamination. But Jesus says, I'm going to eat with you today. Then by the end of that story, once that guy has encountered Jesus, he says, I'm going to give back all my money. Um, all the things I've stolen. I'm going to make a restoration. I, I've realized there's living waters here. But see, a lot of people want to threaten other people with hell. The scripture says some will turn. But then it will bring condemnation and works into your life. Because then you think you can earn your salvation. And so... Unfortunately, in our culture in South Africa, and some of you may miss me now, but just hang in there for a moment, we have a lot of fear motivation, but a negative fear. And so a lot of people, when it comes to our relationship with God, then we don't know that there's sometimes another thing that comes into our life, it brings us into bondage. It brings us into a religious way of knowing the man up there with the stick. So we must have the fear of God, but not in a place where we want to withdraw from him, it's a place where we say, wow, and come closer to him. Are, are you with me? That's, that's the real fear of God. But Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 15, he says, there's a spirit of bondage again to fear, and then there's another spirit. He was writing to the church. Another spirit, that is, this is the fruit of that spirit. Abba, Father, freedom to come to God. Freedom to be a child of God. And he says, be careful that you don't fall into that ministry of condemnation. 
And let me make it very practical. Lots of you are single here maybe, and then I hear it a lot. People say, I am so afraid that I'm going to miss the will of God. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to date that girl because do you know what? What if she's not my marriage partner? What, what if I'm going to make a mistake? What if I... And so then our whole prayer life begins to turn around to the place of where it's a ministry of fear. Brings us into bondage, not into freedom. And so I love what Reinhard Bunker said, and I quoted it last week. He says, God called me not to decorate people's prisons. Not to put nice wallpaper in their prison cells, but to set the captives free. I thought I like that. I'm going to definitely quote that. So what did Jesus come for? For you for complete freedom. And if you cannot cry out, Abba, Father, with such a freedom, then realize that maybe sometimes there's been a, especially a father wound. Because that's how the devil sets us up, with a woundedness and an offense in our hearts. And then we struggle with real intimacy. And then you see a lot of people going around with very passionate to get the knowledge but they struggle with intimacy. Are, are you with me tonight? A definition for intimacy is into me you see. You allow God to make you vulnerable before him. You allow all your weaknesses to be shown. And that's why God loved David. Because David had that heart. David messed up. David made a lot of mistakes. But David was a man after God's own heart because there was no pretense. There was no religion with David. David just danced before God. David just went crazy. And David exposed all of his heart, you know. At a stage, his own wife was standing up there on the second floor. She was looking down and says, How can you dance like this before the people? Because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, came back. And then David went bazookas. You know, I, I can just imagine. You know, you know, and, and he forgot to wear his kingly robe. And he just had like one little lock and key. What is that? Lake and key out over him. And he was all half naked dancing before the Lord. And then his wife, you know, up there said, how on earth? You're the king. Be dignified. And he says, I will become even more undignified than this. Because I understand the freedom that I have in Christ. That doesn't mean all of you need to dance with robes and stuff here in church. The freedom is in your heart to cry out, Abba, Father. And by that you can see whether you are free with the Holy Spirit or whether just very slowly there's a spirit of bondage ministering. And we want to go back into the law. We want to go back into... Why? Because it's safe there and there's no intimacy and vulnerability. And you cannot worship from just the intellectual place. God wants your heart. And once you worship from your heart, there's a freedom. The Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, I love broken people. I love people that are real, that are authentic. And that's what the world is waiting for. The world is not waiting for a bunch of Pharisees. The world is waiting for you to walk into the house and say, hey, you're a tax collector, but I'm going to eat with you. And once you see the goodness of God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to change. I'm not going to do it. God is going to do it. Sure. Because it's life. It's a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And this is the, the way you can see whether sometimes we struggle with our culture. And most, especially Afrikaans people and South African people, because we're traumatized by the fear environment that we live in. We're stuck there and we struggle. We struggle to open up our hearts. We struggle to surrender. How many can agree with me? Come, let's be honest. You know, if I say intimacy, then people are like, Ooh, yeah? what must I do? Tell me the 10 steps of how to follow God. Tell me the rules. And when I know the rules, I can be in control and then I can worship God on my terms. And then God says, bring me your heart. And he's like, oh. Not last year, the year before that, I had to take a sabbatical. Now, I am like a quick starter. I like stuff. After three days, I don't know what to do with myself anymore, you know. Then my holiday is over and I think like, what are we going to do? How are we going to change the world, you know. And so I had to take a couple of months off. After a week... I didn't know what to do. I said, okay, God, what's the next mission? Um, um, Angus is taking a two-month sabbatical now. And after a week, he phoned me and said, when I come back in February, I'm going to do this and this and this. I said, no, 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 no. You relax, ride your horses, switch off your phone, and just enjoy the Lord. Huh? You don't need to do anything. Just enjoy God. Now, some, for some people, like with my personality, it's difficult. Because we think, like, what's the next project? How are we going to change the world? What is God saying? Let's go for it. Don't, hey, 
here we go, you know? And then God says, surrender, okay? Okay, I surrendered. Then two weeks later, surrender. But Lord, nothing is happening. Surrender. Then the Lord says, through other people, there's going to be a revival. And then he said, like, thousands of people? No revival starts in your heart. Revival starts when a group of people are hungry for God and want the real Jesus. A spirit that doesn't say, Oh, Abba, Father. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father! I'm free. Cry. Did you know cry? This, it's not a male crying. It's not like a, oh, the hay fever is so tense. Oh, you know? This place, Paul Ruth doesn't clean its hall, really, you know? Just babies cry. Men don't cry. But have you ever seen, and that's what, there's one group of people that I really love in this world. It's the, the, the cape-colored people. I love them. That's loud. There's a lot of them here. But when they see me on the street here, you know, even the people on this, living on the street, they say, Pastor Sias! And I think like, oh my God. <laughs> that's crying out. It's not like, like the queen. Let's be dignified. Ramoreinat says, dignity is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But see, you know whether you have that freedom or not. Whether you can close your door and just cry out to God. Don't fool yourself. Don't become religious around God. Because a lot of people, especially when they grow older as Christians, they get stuck. But they don't know that they're stuck in fear. And God wants to set us free. God wants you to experience the fullness of Christ. And yes, it's going to be costly. Yes, it's a different way. So ending off by speaking about God and the hearing the voice of God. Be careful just to say, God told me. Too many people come and say, no, God told me. So, okay, how did God speak to you? Now I feel God spoke to me. Okay, then say it like that. It's fine if you felt God said like that. But even when God speaks to you, prophecy, anything, it's only in part. <sighs> no, no, God gives the whole up. No, no, he doesn't. Just going to read scripture. He gives you enough to be obedient. And once you take that step of obedience, once you take that step of faith, then he tells you more. And sometimes he's going to use other people like Ananias or he's going to use Barnabas and encourager to take you to, to where you need to go. It's not a, Christianity is not a Lone Ranger show. It's not you just hearing the voice of God and da-da-da. It's when people come together to say there's one king, there's one shepherd, and we're all following him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so be careful to say God told me. Be careful of false prophets and teachers. This is not a bit of the controversial part. It's called false prophets and teachers. Because do you know what prophets and teachers love the most? This. They want to be 100% pure to this. But if it's not in a relationship, if I speak the truth, but I don't speak it in love, I will get this. Come on, Jesus said it. He says you can do all these things. You can sing in tongues. You can jump up and down. But if it's not out of love, you're going to be get deceived. It means nothing. So the motivation of why we share this. We don't bash people with the word of God. We share the word of God so that they can be free. We share the word of God and we draw, we walk into their lives. We say, how is this applicable to him? And that's what discipleship is. Is I need to walk into your life. I need to get to understand where you are at and then I bring the word to you. I don't bash you with the word and say, oh, the standard is so high. Do you know what? Many are called, but few make a choice. And some of you, God has already destined you for hell. Because then we use the word as a hammer, not as a change agent. The word must first change you. Live the word. Become the word made flesh. Are you with me tonight?
And then the other big stuff is the fruit. Check the fruit, the character of the person. Check, are they under spiritual authority? Is there accountability? Is there godly family? I always ask, do you belong to a local church somewhere? Do you know, as a pastor, I get so many people that come to me on a weekly basis and say, I've got a word for your church. I already have a prophetic word. I want to come and share it. Give me the pulpit. Do you know what I do? I say, do you know what? Six o'clock on Sunday morning, we're packing out all the chairs. Will you come and help us pack out the chairs? 99% of them never pitches because I've got a word of God. If you're not a servant, you cannot share the word of God. Oh, is it tough? Too many people are running around. I've got, I'm the next revelation. It's, it's, it's tough stuff, but it's, we have to mature, church, because we're living in the last days. There's a lot of people running up and saying, God says, God says, God says. And they have no fruit. They don't live in their life. Check out the fruit. Don't listen to that YouTube clip unless you've done some research. Where do you come from? Who do you submit to? Who are you accountable to? What's your net worth? How many books have you written? What do you make out of it? What's the palace you live in? Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> and then God places you in a family, a godly family, where it teaches you to grow up. How many of you belong to a family, a natural family? Raise your hand, very high. Raise your hand, very high. I trust so. Praise God. We've just defeated the doctrine of aliens, okay? Everyone is in a family. How many of you would say that in a relationship in your family, it gets very messy? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Come on. Relationship is messy. It's easy to have a relationship with a TV screen. But when you want to deal with relationship, that's where the word becomes flesh. That's where you have to live it out. So God places you in a family, and you know what's going to happen is you're going to be offended in that family. You're going to not like them because they're different than you. And some hang on to certain different, but that's where you need to learn to grow up. And so many people are afraid to go there because they, they want to exalt them above relationship. I want, to, I want to place myself above relationship because it's just me and God. But you cannot have, you know, I can't go to my wife Louise and say, Oh, I love your face so much. Do you know what? I'm going to have a relationship with your face, but the rest of your body, uh, you know, just hide that, hide that, you know. I can't have a relationship with Jesus and not have a relationship with his body. And that means I am not outside of the body. I'm part of the body. And if you're part of the body and there's a toe that is aching, the whole body responds so that that toe can be healed. The hand doesn't cut itself off and say, oh, look at the toe. I don't want to be part of the toe. <laughs> Is it tough? Hey, be part of the body. Maybe you're a hand, maybe you're an ear, maybe you're like, and be at peace with that. Will you stand with Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.